Welcome to Metal Injections, the Squared Circle Pit. Today's special guest from Evolve Wrestling, Gabe Sapolsky. And here is your host, Rob Pasbunny. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Squared Circle Pit, the only show that combines loves of metal and pro wrestling. It is Rob. I'm very excited to have a new episode for you today. Uh, I have my first non-metal interviewer, interviewee, in that he's not in a metal band, but he is a big-time wrestling man. He's the, the man behind Evolve Wrestling, one of the hottest indie promotions out in the world right now, and also a, a place that WWE looks for to scout talent for NXT. Uh, his name is Gabe Sapolsky. He's been in the wrestling business for over 20 years. He co-founded Ring of Honor. He was basically Paul Heyman's assistant uh, in ECW. So the guy has a lot of great stories. We talk a lot about ECW, uh, early Ring of Honor. I, I mark out a little bit about Paul London and Kenta Kobashi. And he was really cool. He talked about some of the metal bands he was into and how metal influenced his wrestling, and also he, he revealed that wrestling was what got him into metal, which I thought was cool because same thing happened to me. Uh, before we get to the interview, I want to send a huge thank you to RollingStone.com that named the Squared Circle Pit one of the 18 golden era of wrestling podcasts. There was just, a, I guess they just posted a list of the best or, or the golden era. What, I, I don't even know what the term is, but just wrestling podcasts to listen to and i didn't even know about this someone else just posted this link and i'm like oh let's see what podcast and obviously they had the obvious ones steve austin's podcast fantastic chris jericho's jim ross my buddy sam roberts and then i'm scrolling scrolling and then there's my face getting choked out by zach wild and uh they mentioned the squared circle pit and a huge thanks that's honestly a big honor i haven't even been doing this for a year and to be recognized really, really, really was amazing. Uh, stick around after the interview. I'm going to talk a little bit about SummerSlam weekend and, and some of the stuff going on in wrestling today. But enough yapping from me. Let's get to this awesome interview with Gabe Sapolsky. Now entering the squared circle pit, a man who has created a lot of wrestling that brought me much joy and many people much joy. He uh, started his career in ECW, he co-founded Ring of Honor, and now he is producing some of the hottest wrestling on the independent scene with Evolve Wrestling. And uh, this is the Vice President of Talent Relations of World Wrestling Network, Gabe Sapolsky. Gabe, thank you so much. I know you have a very busy, busy weekend ahead of you, taking some time to talk to me on the Squirt Circle. Hey, thanks for having me on, Rob, and thanks for that introduction. That was a, a little overwhelming. I appreciate it. <laughs> I mean, I, I've been a, a lifelong wrestling fan, and uh, I, I've said, like, you know, in 2001, when ECW and, and WCW went under, uh, I've said in the past, it was a very dark time for wrestling, and then, you know, you brought in Ring of Honor, and it was, for me, the only thing keeping me interested in wrestling in the early aughts, because it just, you know, the, the, the mainstream stuff was not as engaging at the time. Uh, so, so I appreciate that. I, I'd love to talk to you a, a little bit about that in a bit. But I, let me get a plug in really quick 
for you have two big shows coming up this weekend. Uh, you have Evolve 68 at the N NYWC Sportatorium in Deer Park, Long Island. That's this Saturday, September 10th at 8 o'clock. A lot of big names on there. Uh, Ethan Page is on there. TJ Perkins, Matt Riddle, Ricochet, Drew Galloway, Drew Gulak, Zack Sabre Jr., Johnny Gargano. And then the next night in Queens, I will be there on September 11th, 6.30 p.m. at Laboom for Evolve 69 with also a lot of the same talent, Zack Sabre Jr., Ricochet, and also uh, Cody Rhodes, which I'm excited to see as, for me, the first time I've seen outside of uh, WWE. This is a wrestling and metal podcast, so I wanted to uh, get started with you. What came first for you, Gabe? Uh, was it uh, discovering metal or discovering wrestling? Uh, it was definitely wrestling. Um, wrestling actually paved the way for metal because I, I still remember um, being being a kid in maybe sixth, seventh grade, and uh, the Road Warriors would come out to Iron Man, of course. And um, I, I just I, I love that song, but I had no idea what it was because you know back then we we're talking about the '80s, and and plus uh, you know I was I was young. It's not like you had the internet; we could just look up everything. For, for free, you know, and, and they would always, you know, you'd hear those opening riffs of Iron Man and they'd always come out to it and it'd be like the most badass ring entrance ever. And I'd always be like, what is that song? What is that song? And then um, finally one week on the uh, TBS show, I believe it was even the Sunday show, Paul Ellering, the manager of the Road Warriors, uh, was out there for an interview and he said, let's get the Road Warriors out of here. Hit Iron Man by Black Sabbath. And um, I finally knew what the song was. So um, I, I had my dad take me out to Strawberries. I don't know how many people remember that record store, but um, out, out, there's a Strawberries by us. And then I was like, you got to take me to Strawberries. And we uh, ran out to Strawberries. And I bought like a set of uh, Black Sabbath, um, Paranoid. And, uh, you know, there's no looking back at that point. That's awesome. That's so funny because I've said that wrestling got me into metal as well. I'm a little younger than you, so it wasn't. It wasn't as cool of a story, but it, it was just when DDP started coming out to the Smells Like Teen Spirit knockoff. Uh, that's how I kind of got into Nirvana, and it led me down the rabbit hole to eventually uh, get into metal. So uh, that's awesome that you said that. <laughs> and uh, you kind of yeah, that's actually cool. I just saw um, Black Sabbath too a couple of weeks ago. So uh, on, on the farewell tours, it's pretty awesome. Oh yeah, it's. I, mean, I saw them uh, earlier at the Garden earlier this year too on that tour, and you know those riffs are undeniable. Like, Tony Iommi is. I I want to almost say he's underrated. Like not enough people give him credit for the riffage that he has produced, the amount of metal he has given to the world. He he's definitely the the god of all the music I listen to. You know, I'm not a I'm not a very diverse metal guy i don't i don't listen to like a, a million bands I, I don't i don't profess to have the most knowledge and everything i just kind of like this you know some of this underground music and and tony iomi is definitely the god of that and, and i mean he proved that again a couple of weeks ago at that concert it's amazing you know he's still playing that well for uh you know their age and everything so um you know it was, it was a great time I'm, I'm really glad i went it was the last minute thing me going cool cool and so you said you have a very specific taste i'm assuming it's more of the sludgy stuff because i know you like neurosis as well what are some of the other bands you're currently into yeah well it's uh it's definitely on the sludge side um you know it it uh, i was more into like maybe the mainstream kind of stuff until i got to college and then i had a roommate that was um you know a lot of stuff and um and one day i heard um i hate god the, the song blank 
like dab riff he, he was playing it and um i heard it through the wall into my room in, in the dorm and i immediately went over to, to to him and i was like what is that it just like completely gripped me and um that kind of paved the way for a lot of the the more sludgy stuff um back in the um you know back in the 90s i listened to like everything sludge and and just kind of not really stoner rock but like just really heavy stuff you know a lot of the wino bands um spare caravan i was big on of course so you know i love tie on fire um a lot of the video you know a lot of the i hate god kind of family buzz oven i i was huge on and um you know neurosis which is my favorite band now and the closest thing i have to to a religious experience to say um I, it actually took me a, a few years to get into them i i didn't really get into them until i saw them live like um you know just um their their body of work is is hard to dive into you know um and um it's uh and i remember hearing everyone knew the bands that i liked and i actually worked at an independent record store in um in philadelphia in in the mid 90s so i got to hear a lot of the cds and i remember hearing like putting on like through silver and blood and just it, it i was like i don't see what what the big deal is it's just it was confusing to me almost you know but then i um i saw them live and then it was you know it was all, it was all over at that point i saw them on the time to grace tour um you know pantera of course uh slayer or you know of course I, I saw pantera and slayer like you know who knows how many times in 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 the 90s you know the melvin's catalog like that kind of stuff right right, right. yeah I, th- I think you've, you've painted a, a good picture of your tastes and you know speaking of metal getting me into wrestling now that i think about it a big way that i got into newer more underground bands was through ecw and you had a, a very interesting journey through ecw because you started by doing the newsletter how did you get your foot in the door with those guys if you don't mind um i i actually got started uh right when paul Heyman, right before paul Heyman took over as bookers um i was going to my senior year at temple university in, in 1994 and, and that summer i had read about this ecw promotion i was getting started um and so i i it listed todd gordon and and his um his jewelry store's address as as it just had the address um somehow so um i i actually wrote him a, a very professional letter you know it was before email and stuff it was before the internet um and i asked if i could do this newsletter as, as a hobby because i was actually a journalist uh, major so i figured you know hey it'd be a cool hobby to do and a cool thing to do in my senior year and um back in 1994 and then i'd be done when i graduated and go get a nine-to-five job doing whatever um and um what happened was when I graduated, ECW then opened up uh, their their office in Philadelphia on on the top floor of Todd Gordon's store. And since I had been around and kind of proven myself and they'd gotten to know me through doing this newsletter, I was hired to basically answer phones and handle tickets and any kind of customer service and basically anything needed to be done, handing out flyers, driving tapes from Philadelphia to New York, I mean, whatever whatever they needed, I, I did. And uh, from there, I, I kind of gained the trust of Paul Heyman and, and he became a mentor to me. And I, I grew into the role of his personal assistant, uh, in addition to doing other stuff with ECW. And um, fortunately, you know, I was there from, from beginning to end. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually, if you want to tie in the metal um, thing to ECW, way back in the early days, the, the first uh, run-in I had with, with anybody was... Um, I forget his name right now. You might know it. The the singer of Morbid Angel back Uh-oh. then. David Vincent? And, 
David Vincent, yep. And he, he actually called the offices one day just out of the blue. And, um, you know, he had a really deep voice. And, and I didn't doubt it was him because he was going to call the offices saying they're David Vincent. And he said, hey, you know, the, I'm from Morbid Angel. And uh, I wasn't into Morbid Angel at the time. I, I was never a big death metal guy, although I always liked obituary. And um, he was like, uh, I, you know, I'm really into it. Can I send you guys some stuff and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, yeah, sure. So he, he actually sent us a, a, a boatload of shirts. And if you watch some early ECW with Raven, you'll see Raven wearing Morbid Angel shirts. And that's how it happened. But um, then uh, Raven actually wore the shirts on a few shows. And then he went to Tower Records and uh and grabbed some of the cds and looked up the lyrics and then he came to me like all pissed off he was like what's with the lyrics to this he goes i'm wearing the shirt of this band uh what, you know what's this all about and i was like i don't know i just you know i just gave you a shirt so uh that was the end of uh morbid angel and raven right there that's so funny uh yeah raven like definitely shirts raven wore is how i got into that like i remember he would wear, wear nevermore shirts a lot and, and that's one of the ways I got exposed to him, I thought that was so cool. Yeah, well, he'd come into he'd come into Rock and Roll Plus where I, w- I was working on South Street in Philly and, and raid us for shirts. So that's where that's where a lot of the shirts came from. Oh, I see. That's cool. That's very cool. And like, did you have anything to do with picking some of the, the like how was the entrance music done? Because I felt I loved that ECW. I guess they were so under the radar they didn't have to uh, worry that much about licensing. You know, the Nine Inch Nails, the White Zombie, like. You guys had the the best soundtrack in the 90s it, it, it was almost unreal yeah no i i had nothing to do with the music i was just yeah. uh, along along for the ride back then and everything right, but, i right. mean it was it was pretty cool when you you know we we had that um the, the connection with that record company and um it was, it was awesome for me because they used to hook me up with concert tickets and stuff like i saw pantera for free and black sabbath for free and that kind of stuff right right and uh, you know sometimes i get some advanced copies of the albums and everything so um that was uh you know we, we had that cool connection and, and now it's just the music that that you know Heyman knew connected with the audience he was going for and um and back then you could just kind of use whatever you wanted and uh it wasn't a big deal so um you know it became a big deal as ecw went on but um you know Heyman just did what he wanted anyways yeah now that i'm thinking about it like they were just using november rain for the november to remember from like axel rose got got any wind of that <laughs> That would have been a good uh, lawsuit. Yeah, I, I think Cayman just ignored the lawsuit request that came in. So, um, you know, he just went ahead and did it. And there was actually a um, a little Relapse Records influence um, back then, too, which, which I managed to make the connection of, um, where uh, I did get, like, Tommy Dreamer wearing a Narosa shirt for a couple of shows and um, various stuff like that. And actually, if you, if you, I, I knew some of the guys at Relapse because I was in Philly. Yeah, and, and they're um, based out of Philly. What's that? I was just saying to the audience that Relapse is based out of Philly. Yeah, and I mean, the old Relapse store was on South Street, which was awesome. I really miss it. And um, if, you, if you look at some early ROH DVDs, which are probably impossible to find now, there's actually like a, a bunch of relapse music on there because we relapse allowed us to use whatever we wanted. So uh, there's actually some neurosis, which kind of is weird to me now on early ROH because I would never dream of asking to use neurosis music now or anything. But um, there's there's some various bands from uh, from relapse label on on some of the early like 2002 like first show like ROH videos, which we did get permission from relapse to use. 
Yeah, so uh, I, I wanted to briefly uh, d dive into those early ROH shows because uh, ROH started at a time when I was uh, in college. So I was kind of old enough to, I'm, I'm based in uh, Brooklyn, New York. I was old enough to to leave, to go to Philly, to actually, I never was able to see the ECW arena show, but I remember when Ring of Honor started, uh, I didn't go to the first show. Uh, the first show I went to was Ring of Honor Unscripted. And uh, me and my buddy, we, we drove down, it was like a two hour ride. And I remember that day was the day that uh, Paul, he, uh, Paul London uh, became a star to me uh, because he had a, uh, it was like a street fight, I guess. Uh, against Michael Shane, who's the cousin of Shawn Michaels, and both of these guys are trained by Shawn Michaels. And I remember they, you guys did the Murphy Rec Center, which was just basically a, a, a gym. You know, there was like 300, 400 of us. But I never was more engaged in a wrestling match in terms of like, just emotionally like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. And, and uh, this was also, there was a ladder involved, I remember, and they were beating up this ladder. And then at the end of the match, Paul London sets the ladder down and, and starts climbing it and it looks like this ladder is going to collapse. And it was the first, it was the birth of the please don't die chant, which uh, the most polite chant that wrestling fans have ever chanted. Usually it's please die, I feel. They want, <laughs> they want the wrestlers to... to to hurt themselves, and all I remember from the, after seeing that match is like the entire two-hour ride home. My friend Sid and I, all we were talking about is like, how is it that Paul London and Michael Shane just put on the best match we've ever seen, and like only for for these two people? Like these guys need to be massive superstars, and it's like one of one of the best memories I have from from watching wrestling was that show. Yeah, that's awesome. That was that was a really special match. Um, and, and, uh, and a special time, you know, that was, um, where, where Paul London was also like basically an unknown at that point. Um, and, and now it's like his breakout match. And now is when you really get that kind of, uh, connection and that synergy going with the fans, um, is, is moments like that. You can't really write or book, you know, um, they're, they're moments that just kind of happen organically. And, um, when you have like a special talent and you have like Paul London and you have a crowd that's that's receptive to it and and appreciative and and that connection is made between the talent and the crowd and that that kind of moment just kind of just happens organically it, it's really what professional wrestling is all about and it's it's really what what you know drives me it's 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 those moments that that you live for and uh they don't happen that often they're not something you can manufacture um and it, it just kind of just uh, arises naturally and now it's definitely you know one of the biggest ones in the early day early day and, and it was important and um and not just Paul London's career and establishing him, but it was important in establishing ROH's identity and establishing who we were and, and, and making that stronger connection and building that trust and loyalty with our fan base at the time and, and building the promotion. So it was, it was a, an extremely important match and moment uh, for us, uh, for, for everybody involved, and including the fans that were in attendance that night. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And what I really appreciated at the time was, you know, it was right after ECW went out of business. And in Philly, any show you would go to, or even at, anywhere in the East Coast, even here in New York, uh, people would, anytime something cool would happen, people would start chanting ECW. And I remember at those early ROH shows, people made a, a concentrated effort not to chant, like to chant ROH. Or, and, and I appreciated that you 
try to distinguish that this is not going to be ECW? Is that like a challenge to carve your own path when the shadow of ECW is still looming? Well, yeah, it, it was, it's always been one of my philosophies, and that was one of the things that I learned from Paul Heyman is um, you gotta you do have to blaze your own path, and you have to add something to the marketplace and, and be different. That was what Heyman always said, be different. And when ECW closed, you had just about every indie um, out there trying to be ECW and, and do what ECW was known for, which is kind of also all that hardcore stuff was, was really running its course uh, by the end of ECW. You know, the fans had seen everything at that point. So it, it, we did make a conscious effort to uh, go in a different direction. And it's, it's funny, you know, you bring that up because Joey Styles, who uh, is working with us now on Evolve, he's on the shows uh, this Saturday and Sunday, and he's going to have a, a role going forward with us. He did his first Evolve, Evolve show with us uh, a few weeks ago in Brooklyn, and we had him do play-by-play on a match, uh, t- our title match with Timothy Thatcher and Drew Gulak. And um, before the match, uh, Styles said something to me about, uh, hey, you know, it, it only took me, it only took 15 years for me to call a match for you. And I, I go, well, what are you talking about? And he goes, well, I, I goes, I, I tried to get an ROH when you guys started, and um, you told me, you know, you didn't want to use me because everyone would just think we were ECW um, if, <laughs> if, if you if you had me do commentary in the right. early days. Now looking back. I'm not saying it was the wisest move. Maybe maybe it was a mistake not to use a guy like Joey Styles on commentary, but at the same time, it shows how important it was back when we started ROH to forge our own identity because Joey Styles was the voice of ECW, and if you did have Joey Styles on commentary, he, it would be the continuation of ECW, and that's how how hard you know we, we, we told a, a, a name like Joey Styles uh, that, that we couldn't use him back when we started ROH because we, it was very important for us to forge our own identity. And, and that is a Paul Heyman principle. Now, you know, here we are 15 years later and we're going to do some interesting stuff with Joey Styles. And, and we can now because uh, people aren't going to see a continuation of ECW at this point. So, um, you know, so, so the timing has worked out that way, but um, you know, it's, 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 it's a good compliment that, that you, you know, you said that to, to me just now, because that that's definitely what we tried to do in the early doing. And that's what we try to do now with Evolve or any of the other brands we have in WWN, if you're not going to add to the marketplace, if you're just going to be redundant with what's already offered, there's no sense in, in doing it. And and we always try to add something different to the marketplace now. Yeah, and, and I mean, I'm definitely noticing it now with Evolve, too. I, I've only just I've only just recently got into it about in, in about the, the last year when I really started diving deeper into uh, wrestling. But I wanted to ask you, what did you think? I remember uh, shortly after Ring of Honor, started launch and you guys were, were getting the love and adoration of the internet wrestling community. Uh, I saw an interview that you did where you said that you didn't watch WWE at the time and that you attended, I believe it was like a SmackDown and you said that like, it just looked like Disney to you and, and that you're, you're interested in like underground wrestling. And I feel like the correlation could be made to metal in that like, Oh, you're not into like, for example, like, WWE could be seen as, let's say, Metallica, and and you're more interested in, in the wrestling that's equivalent to the uh, Neurosis or I Hate God type of thing. Do you, would you say you still feel like uh, feel that way? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, even like the you know going to that Black Sabbath show is awesome seeing Black Sabbath, but I, I hated going to. I think it's called the Xfinity Center. It's in it's in Mansfield, Massachusetts, and it took like 30 minutes to get into the parking lot. It took 90 minutes to get out of the parking lot. 
Uh, it was just this huge venue. I'm, I'm not a big venue guy. I, I'd rather go to like the the small club or uh, you know the the, uh, the the small kind of theater and, and see my see my favorite band there. And um, I, I'm also like I, I really do admire like uh, artists like you know the Melvins like like King Buzzo and and his whole attitude. Uh, you know, I always read all the interviews of, of guys like that. You know, Steve Von Till and Scott Kelly are Neurosis. Um, the the new the Decibel magazine on Neurosis is is like a handbook to me. Um, and just seeing how their attitude is, and and these are guys that you know to play the music they want to play, and and you, you don't see them really catering to a crowd. And and uh, you know, I, I love that attitude. Now, obviously, with with pro wrestling, it's a little bit different. You want to keep your audience happy, and and I, I'm a huge believer in that you have to respect the people's leisure time and and their leisure money you know when they when they give that to you um they're making they're they're giving you something very valuable to them because we all don't have a lot of money and we all don't have a lot of time so if we we devote that to something where we want to be entertained you need to be entertained it's different than those guys with music if you don't want to listen to their album and you don't listen to their album and they don't really seem to care but um, that whole kind of attitude of where that music comes from and what their inspiration is, is, is also what still drives me to this day and, and something that, that, respect, that, that I respect a great deal. And um, I try to hold true. But I also do believe that, that when, when you write a wrestling show or book a wrestling show, you, it's something you have to be passionate in, and it's something where, where yourself has to come through in that. It, it has to be true to you because if you don't, it's going to feel very forced to your audience. Um, and, and your audience isn't going to, you're not going to have that connection to your audience. So you, you do have to present a product that, that you're not really writing for other people, even though you are, it has to be something that, that is true to you and, and that you believe in. And, and if that happens, then it'll come through as a genuine product and, and a genuine uh, brand of wrestling that, that hopefully your audience uh, enjoys too. And hopefully you're on the same wavelength as your audience. Um, Timothy Thatcher, our champion in Evolve, um, he, he's, he's a very much kind of punk rock attitude when it comes to that kind of stuff where, where he wants to wrestle as, as he sees fit. Um, and, and that's why he chooses to, rest, to wrestle for Evolve. He can wrestle pretty much anywhere in the world, but he wrestles here because he has that kind of freedom. So I also like that attitude to, to come through in our wrestlers. Uh, when they come to us, they're not being scripted uh, heavily. They're not really being sternly told how to wrestle and what they can and can't do. They're given a lot of leeway and a lot of freedom to, to perform as they want and perform their art as they see fit. So um, in that way, too, we kind of share that attitude with, with bands like the Melvins and, and the Roses and, and those kind of underground bands. And um, the fans who kind of who, who want that kind of underground product will tend to come to us because it, it comes through in the writing of the shows and also with the wrestlers and, and the way that they wrestle on these shows as well. That's awesome to hear that. That's really cool. I, I always wonder about that, you know, without getting us too much behind the curtain, do you sort of just kind of talk to the wrestlers and be like, this is where I'd like to see the match end up or there's like the angle and you guys figure it out. Is it like a collaborative process to come up with the, stories for the show it's, it's always a collaborative pro- process because i'm i'm also not the guy in the ring putting my body on the line so um you know it's important to respect the fact that those guys are, are in there and, and they're really doing something physical and, and something dangerous and something that they are 
highly skilled at and have put in a, a great amount of work and practice to be highly skilled at. So I, I have a huge amount of respect for that. So it's always a collaborative effort. And um, it's and it's also where where people don't have to wrestle for us. You know, we're, they're not making millions of dollars wrestling for us or, or, or hundreds of thousands of dollars. They're not being seen by the biggest audiences in the world with us. They come to wrestle for us because they want that amount of freedom and they want to be able to perform their art, which is pro wrestling, as they see fit. So um, one of the advantages to working for us is, is they get to do that. So um, that's an important principle to me as well. So um, when, when you see the guys in our ring and they wrestle the way they wrestle, it's, it's always going to be a very authentic and genuine performance the way that they want instead of something that's, you know, highly scripted or, or overly produced. Uh, I, I'm a firm believer in not overly producing anything. I think you have a, a, an amazing eye for talent as well. You, you know, going back to the Ring of Honor days with the Paul London and, and even I remember I, I believe CM Punk debuted on that on Scripted Show too. He did a promo, I believe, uh, that he was yep. coming. And uh, like all these, I, I, and now too with guys like Matt Riddle and and all the Tim Thatcher and all these great guys. How do you find new talent that the the majority of the internet wrestling community doesn't know about? How do you scout? Like, what is your process? I mean, it's a lot easier now. Everyone's got YouTube matches up. So, um, you know, if I see a guy that's getting a buzz or somebody, usually you get a wrestler that will recommend other wrestlers to you. And then, you know, it's, it's, it's easier to track down their footage. And then, and then I, I just kind of have a gut instinct with it. Um, lately, we've been doing these WWN seminar tryouts. Our next one is October 16th, and we actually have William Regal there. Um, so um, those, we've, we're beginning to get talent out of, out of that right now. Um, Darby Allen who uh, comes out to Pentagram, by the way, which um, he does that on his own. I, I, I heard Pentagram one time with him on his first ring entrance, and I was like, oh, that's cool. But um, he, he's like, he's, he's a guy who's come from those, so we're finding talent that way. But it, it's just a gut feeling about somebody, really. I think the singer of Pentagram, Bobby Liebling, could have been like a great heel manager in another life because <laughs> he just has <laughs> cool. that crazy look but uh, uh interestingly you mentioned william regal because now clearly your talent scouting caught the eye of wwe and, and now you guys have kind of formed some some very loose relationship which uh from what i've gathered nobody knows what it is it's just you guys are taking it day by day and, and they're they're looking at you guys and watching your footage and like what what's what's going on here? yeah no that's exactly right like it's just kind of a day-by-day thing. We, we have a good relationship with them, obviously. You, you saw Evolve footage and other WWM brands, Stranga USA, on like the early Cruiserweight Classic shows. Um, they're sending William Regal a seminar tryout. We, uh, you see, the, I mean, this weekend alone, um, our Saturday and Sunday shows, we have Zack Sabre Jr. and TJ Perkins, who are, are two of the top guys in, in the WWE Cruiserweight Classic on WWE Network. You, we have Johnny Gargano. I mean, it's his farewell weekend, but um, he was a huge part of us, and now he's going to NXT uh, full-time, but we have his farewell this weekend. We have Tony Nese on the shows. Uh, we have Drew Gulak, who was part of the Cruiserweight Classic. Uh, Tony Nese was just on NXT this week. So um, it's it's been a it's, – it's, it's, you know, we have a lot of guys that are seen on WWE Network right now, and, and uh, a lot of guys, you know, WWE is looking towards us when, when they need guys. And, um, you know, in, in return, we're getting a great deal of exposure out of us. So it's, it's kind of one of those things where it's a, a win-win for each side. 
and um, every day, you know, something new happens, and and um, I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I never know what the next phone call and the next email is going to bring. Um, so it's uh, it's just one of those things where we're just kind of in in uncharted waters right here, and we're we're just seeing what happens next and seeing where, how things grow. So it's a very exciting time, and to me, that makes things more exciting for the fans as well because uh, they never know what's coming up next. Uh, just like I, I, I don't. So. Yeah, I was going to say, like, like at the last Queen show that you guys did at LaBoom, it was so crazy seeing, like, the WWE Cruiserweight guys and the TNA guys. Like, you can only re- – you can't really see that anywhere else. It's, it's a very crazy time for wrestling right now. <laughs> yeah, it's very exciting. I mean, that's, that's – you know, this has been a really a, a renaissance year, and, and that's one of the things that has spurned that. So um, it's, it's something, you know, we'll keep riding this this – so we'll keep riding this wave and, and see where it goes. And, uh, you know, who, who knows? Who knows what will happen next? You know, I mean, you know, Triple H came to our show in, in Florida earlier this year and took that picture and that blew up the Internet. Um, and, um, you know, I'll say the, the one really cool thing about WWE, going back to what I was just talking about, is in all my dealings with them, they've never come to me and said, hey, we need you to do this or we want you to do this or we're going to start, you know, producing things this way or, or we want this done. They've always said, keep doing what you're doing, keep doing things as you want to do them. Um, they haven't come in to try to change anything we're doing. Um, they, they've given us all this freedom and, and they've let us still kind of do this kind of punk rock, you know, pro wrestling that we've been doing uh, without trying to alter anything. And, and they've just been trying to add it and do what they can to help us. So uh, it's been a very, very cool relationship so far. That's awesome. Did they uh, reach out to you guys, or were, you, were they the first to make that? Um, it just started with, you know, I mean, obviously we were aware, they were aware of us and stuff, and it just kind of started with, like, a, a simple phone call. Um, just, uh, I don't even remember what it was about, but it was a simple phone call, and then things just kind of grew, and they were like, hey, what about this? And then they were like, hey, what about that? And you know, uh, we just kept uh, kept running with it. <laughs> right, right. Just seeing what the other party was, was cool, comfortable with doing, kind of thing. Yeah, but yeah, pretty much. Uh, very cool. So now let's talk about uh, just really uh, quickly, like WWN. I think this is so cool. It's kind of like an indie wrestling network, and you guys are setting up some big things, especially for WrestleMania weekend. I remember this WrestleMania weekend. Uh, I was overwhelmed with <laughs> with content. There was so much wrestling. Uh, well, what's kind of the idea between the, this network with, between, with WWM Live? Well, uh, Sal Hamway, who's, who's my business partner, he he actually started WWN years ago, and um, then it's just kind of grown to this point now where we have all these different brands. We have FIP, which is down in Florida, ACW down in Florida. Shine, which is an all-women's promotion, um, and um, of course, Evolve, Dragon Gate USA was a part of it. We do this WWN Super Show, so it's just one of those things that that's kind of just uh, slowly grown over the years with these different uh, brands that all kind of add bring something different to the table and, and add something new. And um, yeah, we're going to be in Orlando again this year for 2017, and and we we try to partner up with with good promotions, you know, I'm a firm believer in, in making relationships and, and, and the good professional promotions out there kind of pulling together. So we have uh Chikara's joining us, who of course is a 
the most unique brand on the planet beyond wrestling. That's a, a real growing uh, promotion in New England area. And um, really, um, they, they really have their own vibe to them. You know, Kaiju Big Battle, Shimmer, which is another all-women's promotion, and Progress uh, from the UK. That's so cool. Um, that's uh, really gained a following there. And it's also, uh, you know, kind of one of these promotions that WWE is, is shining a light on. So it's natural for us to, to form a relationship. So they're all going to be coming together in, in Orlando with Evolve and the WWE Super Show, and um, it's it's going to be like a absolutely like it's going to be like one of those uh, huge you know uh, festivals, music festivals where you have like 50 different bands playing and everything. So um, it's going to be a three day thing. People can go to morethanmania.com for info on that, and and it's it's going to be pretty awesome. So uh, you know it's definitely the highlight of the year. That's very cool. I think that that's a, a great correlation to a, a, a crazy metal it's the premier wrestling festival where you see every amazing underground wrestler that's kind of what i what i appreciate about wrestlemania weekend now it's become bigger than wrestlemania it's almost like wrestlemania is not even the most exciting part of the weekend anymore because there's literally every wrestler in the world flies down now to wherever wrestlemania is and there's hundreds of things going on at any time and and I think it's really cool that what you guys are doing with that as well. You mentioned yeah, it's 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 oh, just be, it's become like the highlight of the year. It's just uh it's it's really just an awesome thing. Uh, you mentioned uh, progress. I wanted to quickly ask about Will Osprey because a few weeks ago you had your your mentor Paul Heyman offer him an evolved contract. Did, did anything ever ever come of that? What, what's going on? No. Well, unfortunately for us, or unfortunately for him. He had previously signed with New Japan, so um, they they kind of put the block on on that. But um, it was a super cool moment, and it was really cool of Heyman to do that. And uh, you know, it's something where Osprey, no matter what he does for the rest of his career, will be able to look back at that moment. And it got us some publicity in the process. So you know, it, it just yeah, it, when all said and done, it'll it'll go down as a, as a really cool moment. Uh, do, does Paul? I'm assuming you obviously still keeping in touch with Paul Heyman. Does he follow Evolve at all? Do you get any advice from him? Paul follows everything, so he knows he knows what's going on in his industry. So uh, he's 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 always on top of everything, and he and he, he keeps in contact with with you know with what's going on and stuff. Right. Uh, cool. And it, you know, like I was mentioning earlier, you know, you have the eye for talent. Who do you think is is the next big talent that people aren't aware of that's going to break through and really be a big deal in a year or two? I mean, all you have to do is look at the Evolve roster and see who's moving their way up. If, if I didn't believe in them, we wouldn't have them on the roster. We have uh, Matt Riddle is, is blown up this year in 2017. He's going to be the man. Uh, he's a former UFC guy. Uh, he's, in, he's in a couple of really big matches for us this weekend. Um, Fred Yeha, I have, I have very high hopes on. You know, Tracy Williams is, is another name. There's a, a just, it's, it's a very interesting time right now because we're actually losing a bunch of guys. Johnny Gargano's moving on. TJ Perkins is moving on. They're both going to be a Monday Night Raw in the Cruiserweight uh, division. And what's cool is you can still see them on, on the indies this weekend with us at Evolve. Um, Cedric Alexander we had a run with, and, and he moved on, and a few other guys. Um, so now there's uh, going to be a lot of open spots on our shows, and that means a lot of guys who might have been in the mid-card can now step up the game and, and take those top spots. And a lot of new guys can come in and try to take those top spots. So it's really going to create a lot of competition and um, it's going to make things very, very interesting. 
So right now we're kind of in the point where if you look at our roster, you're going to see, uh, you know, a lot of talent from top to bottom. They wouldn't be there if they weren't very talented. And now it's a matter of who's going to step up their game and replace TJ Perkins and replace Johnny Gargano. And it could come from new talent that, that we've just been adding. We have a lot of new faces in this weekend, or it could come from guys being promoted from within. So a lot of that's going to play out in, you know, this month and, um, you know, October when we're back down in Florida, uh, November 13th, we're back in the Baltimore area. December 11th, we're back in the Boston area. So uh, the rest of this year is going to be very interesting uh, to see who, who's really hungry and who really steps up their game to take those top spots. And it's going to be a lot of fun for the fans to watch. That's awesome. One guy I'm really excited to see in a ball that I haven't seen him in person just watching his names is Jeff Cobb. I think that guy is going to be so huge. I mean, he's already Yeah, big. he's going to be with <laughs> us uh, later this year, too. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm very excited to have him in. Awesome. Uh, Gabe, I'm going to let you go. One last thing I wanted to uh, ask you about before we, we finish up is the most I've ever marked out. Now, I know that's kind of a controversial. The most I've ever gotten excited at a wrestling show, I, beyond the unscripted, I think is the Kobashi Joe match in New York City. Uh, I honestly, at the time, didn't realize what kind of a legend Kobashi was. Like, I, I knew, oh, this big main eventer from Japan. But I remember one second into that match, Joe slapped Kobashi. And I was like, oh, man, this is, it felt so real to me. It was, it was intense. How did it feel to you being like, I can't believe I brought these two guys together to, to have this match? Yeah, I mean, now it's a, a dream come true. I mean, there's no other way to put it. It was it was definitely a highlight. And that, that, that slap, of course, anyone who was there will never forget that or anyone who saw it. And it was kind of like, you know, because the whole thing was, oh, what's Kobashi going to do when it comes to a ball or it comes to a ring of honor? You know, is he, um, you know, is he going to go through the motions or what kind of match you're going to see? And then, you know, when Joe slapped him right off the bat like that, it, it just told everybody in the building, you know, it's on at this point. You know, you're going to, this is going to be something. And um, yeah, it's just a a really special and, you know, again, one of those organic kind of moments that just kind of happened. And and, uh, it was something that I'll, you know, always be very fond of. Now, is that something where you're like, you guys do whatever you want. I'm not even, (laughs) I'm not even going to get involved. Or or was it also a collaboration with Joe Kobashi? No, I I went through the match move by move with them and and told them, you know, each, no, yeah, of course I just told them to go in there. (laughs) Now, now, Kobashi, you want to do like 30 chops here? You know, you just, you just let them go and do that thing. Yeah, no, that, that was incredible, and I look forward to many more awesome moments. I'm going to be at the Evolve show in Queens this Sunday. Uh, what I love about the shows is they're pretty quick. They're not those marathon indie shows. That's try to add something different to the marketplace, and, you know, we try to have uh, very tight shows where everything means something, and um, it's, uh, you know, that's kind of the neurosis influence right there, too, with, uh, with their attitude recently um, in recent years. So, um, you know, we try to have uh, just everything means something on the shows and easy to sit through. Um, and, and, you know, you can kind of watch it like a movie at this point. And, you know, we'll try that. If, uh, hopefully people can make it. They can go to DGUSA.TV for tickets and info. Again, that's DGUSA.TV. And if you can't be there in person, all our shows are broadcast on live by pay-per-view at WWNLive.com. So, um, you know, check it out, WWNLive.com. And I also want to say before I go, if is if you are a musician out there or 
record label or anybody and and you want to give us some music to use we we would love to listen to it um you know uh unfortunately I, i've i've been very lucky to become friends with scott kelly and um he, he's given us some music from his um there's a psychic warfare and corrections house and it's really added a great deal to what we've done in evolve and some of our videos and everything and, and that's been extremely uh kind of him to do um and you know i've talked to damien abraham and stuff uh, about about other music and everything so um we uh you know we're, we're always open to to having these kind of mutually beneficial relationships where you know we'll, we get to use the music obviously you know legal and um and hopefully we can shine a light on on whatever music projects are out there or bands or record labels or whatever so uh feel free to contact me twitter at book at gabe um and um or you know you can email me through the contact page of dgusa.tv and uh you know maybe hopefully we can work something out that's awesome uh before we go would you say this we're entering or we are in a new golden age of wrestling i really feel like this is the best time for wrestling since 2001 when uh, wcw and ecw folded yeah this year has just been amazing it's been one you know i've been calling it the mind-blowing 2016 because it's just like one mind-blowing thing after another that you never thought would happen that's happened this year but you know, since we're, we're going into the fall now and nine months into the year, now I just call it, you know, it's a, it's a very special year right now. And, um, you know, new crazy things happen almost every week that, that you would never believe. So um, hopefully people have been along with the ride this year. And if you haven't, it's a good time to jump back on because things are more exciting than ever. Gabe, thank you so much. I know how busy you must be with the shows coming up this weekend to talk to us here on the Squared Circle Pit. Uh, I really appreciate it. I really look forward to seeing you guys on Sunday. And again, dgusa.tv that's the url to get tickets and info on all the evolved shows this weekend you can either attend live or watch it on iPay-per-view from the comfort of your couch or your computer and uh gabe thank you so much hey thanks rob and thanks everyone out there for listening i really appreciate you taking the time to listen to this what an awesome interview that went great that was so cool gabe was very forthcoming and shared a lot of great stories i love that david vincent story how uh, raven was like what the fuck is this shit uh, of course, you could follow uh, Gabe on Twitter, Book It Gabe. If you have a great wrestling theme type metal song, you should send it over to him and get it featured in the show. And DGUSA.TV is the website to uh, get more info on Evolve, which it's great. I'm going to be there this weekend. I'm really excited. Taking Noah, uh, Darren as well. It's going to be a whole uh, live cast Evolve party. And what a time for wrestling right now. It's been a lot, a busy few weeks. I was hoping to do a SummerSlam poster because I got to go to SummerSlam and NXT, but just so fatigued afterwards that I just didn't do it. It was the first, I mean, I went to Extreme Rules earlier this year, and that was that was pretty fun. And for these shows, I, I was very, very fortunate enough to get on the floor. And I have to be honest with you, I almost feel like the experience is better on TV. Now... Please, like this is a total first world complaint. Like I had a great time. It was amazing. It was it, it was quite an experience that I'm never gonna forget. But I feel like now more than ever, WWE's live shows are really like television show tapings. Like they tape for TV because I remember seeing the show live at a great time. When I went back and I watched some of the footage, like watched some of NXT back, I missed so much stuff live. Just because I, you know, you don't see the nuances, you don't see the little details, you don't hear the commentary explaining what to look for, 
and it was a totally different experience. So that's something very interesting. I think it's worth noting for bigger pay-per-views, you know, the, those tickets are very expensive. Uh, it's not, it's not quite the same. And kind of like what Gabe was saying during the interview, I have to agree with him uh, for a wrestling show. I prefer a small and intimate 400 people to a, a venue with 20,000 any day of the week. And that's why I'm very, very excited for these Evolve shows. Now, but with that said, I think WWE has been, the work rate of these matches has been pretty crazy lately. The split is now two months in, and I think they're really starting to show the cracks in the armor with the, the roster split. Let's start with Raw. Uh, this week's Raw, uh, very disappointing for me. I, I'm not one to be overly negative just for the sense of negativity. But after last week's angle which I had some problems with. Let's talk about it. All right, so it's the, the three guys are left in the ring. These three, guy, three guys are Kevin Owens, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins. They're all giving each other their finishers. Everybody's kicking out. Nobody wants to lose this match. And so each one of these guys' finishers could not finish off the other guy. All of a sudden, Triple H comes in. Triple H, who isn't a full-time wrestler, who is a, a member of, of, you know, the office, theoretically let's say comes in one pedigree to roman reigns gets him eliminated one pedigree to seth rollins gets him eliminated and kevin owens wins the title all the heat is on triple h now that was kind of, I, I felt a little uneasy about it it wasn't it wasn't a deal breaker because i was super happy to kept ultimately kevin owens won the world title or the universal title and all week i was like well how, where are they gonna go with this is triple h gonna come out and explain that seth rollins just can't be trusted like like is he going to turn on Rollins or is it just Seth Roll or Triple H is going to come out and just crown Kevin Owens a chit like are they redoing the authority angle no none of it none of it they took in my opinion the laziest route possible on this raw just had Kevin Owens come out Stephanie McMahon Stephanie McMahon who's married to Triple H in storyline didn't know what was going on like they live together how at no point, during, she said she was so embarrassed. At no point during dinner uh, could she have been like, hey, what was that Kevin Owens thing about, you know? And again, I understand, storyline. But even within storyline, it doesn't make sense that she's gone a week without talking to Triple H. I couldn't believe they kept Triple H off the show. He was the biggest part of the news last week. And now some people are saying, oh, it's a slow burn. They have football coming. They got to set it up. They could have set up that Triple H was going to be on Raw the following week. They could have announced that, that he's out on business all week, recruiting, whatever he's doing. Uh, they didn't. They, there was barely any mention of Triple H, which I thought was ridiculous. Beyond that, I don't understand why Seth Rollins earned himself a, a rematch without having to do anything in the first segment. They don't mention Roman Reigns at all during the show, ever. And which, shouldn't Roman Reigns be just as angry as Seth Rollins? He got equally as screwed as Seth Rollins. And Roman Reigns does not, Roman Reigns has to win another match to get a rematch for the world, a universal title. It's the, the inconsistencies in the writing is killing me right now. Uh, and also that Sasha Banks thing, I don't know. Raw was a mess. SmackDown was pretty good, though. I think SmackDown is really getting the better end of the draft. Uh, you know, in the first week, Raw was the better show because they had that whole uh, thing with Finn Balor. But now that Finn is gone and things have settled down, I really feel like SmackDown is a stronger show. It ends quicker. It's paced better. And I, I find myself enjoying it more. But the best hour of television right now is unquestionably 
unquestionably the cruiserweight classic. If you haven't been watching this show, go back, watch all the episodes. It's completely evergreen. Even if you know, excuse me, even if you know the winners, it doesn't matter. The matches are better than any other matches WWE is showing right now. These are Japanese, Mexican, great, great wrestlers killing it. And I highly recommend you check it out. Other than that, this week was the PWG Battle of Los Angeles, and I had immense, immense fear of missing out on some FOMO because it sounded like it was a great, great event. Uh, the Wrestling Observer came out, and Dave Meltzer was there, and he gave one of the matches five stars. So I'm very, very excited to check out those DVDs. If you haven't gotten into PWG yet, Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, it's one of the hottest promotions right now on the indies, and it's basically, I feel... It's like the all-star game of indie wrestling, of anybody who isn't signed to WWE. It's a very unique situation because they don't have a TV show. They don't broadcast live events on iPay-Per-View. So they can get around these restrictions that contracted talents to TNA and New Japan and Lucha Underground have and bring them in to have truly the best wrestling in the country. So I'm very excited to check that out if you haven't discovered PWG yet. Get into it. And what have you been watching? What wrestling has, has been uh, tickling your fancy? I always love to hear from you guys. I love to make this a two-way street of communication. So, uh, if you've seen any matches, tweet me at Rob Injection or at Squared Circle Pit, no E in circle, or follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Squared Circle Pit. And uh, I think I'm going to be setting up a, a voicemail thing with SpeakPipe. If you want to leave a voicemail for the show, you can do it on the page and maybe ask a question or, or a comment or a criticism. I'd love to hear it. And I leave you rec with a podcast recommendation, actually, which is Chris Jericho had Danzig on his show earlier this week. And Danzig spent a few minutes talking about his love of wrestling and, and the connection between wrestling and punk. And it was an interesting interview. Jericho does great interviews. So if you're looking for another podcast to check out, check that one out. But for now, I bid you adieu. I'll be back in a few weeks with more Squared Circle Pit.